The following audio is from Emmanuel Baptist Church. More information about Emmanuel is available at our website, www.myemmanuel.net. Our worship turns our attention to God's Word. We're studying the book of 1 Thessalonians together. I invite you to turn there with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're kind of doing it concept by concept. And uh, many of you now, if you've been a part of this, you know that this is the first piece of New Testament Scripture that was written. If we were to look at the New Testament, not in the order that it appears, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, but if we were to look at it in the order that it was written, 1 Thessalonians is the first book of our New Testament Scripture. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to a church that he started. He went there, he preached the gospel in the synagogue. He got kicked out. He preached the gospel in the marketplace. There was a riot. He started a church. He had to leave town because of the animosity against him. And so he writes this church who doesn't have any New Testament scripture yet. He writes them this admonition inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. It's an admission, it's a it's an admonition for our souls as well. When we come to chapter 2, we come to a beautiful portion of this passage where the Apostle Paul is going to use a metaphor to talk about how it is that we grow to walk in a manner worthy of the kingdom. It's a a phrase that I heard growing up in church in kind of the old days, walking with God, walking in a manner worthy of the kingdom. The reason that 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 phraseology, walking with God, was used because in ancient times, that's how people got around. They didn't have cars. They didn't drive. Most people weren't rich enough to have a horse or a chariot. When they wanted to go somewhere, when they did something, when they went to the field, they walked. When they went to town, they walked. When they went to their neighbors, they walked. And so the the Bible uses this this, uh, phrase, this understanding of walking with God. Well, how does that come about in the Christian's life? If you will, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's read this passage and, and look at it and look at how Paul describes that it comes about. Now, the very last uh, verse of what we discussed last week is verse 6. It's the end of that. He says, nor did we seek glory. I'm in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Paul's an apostle. He could have come in and said, you got to treat me like an apostle. But he doesn't do that. And now verse 7 turns our attention to this passage that we want to study this morning. But instead, instead of being demanding, we were gentle among you. Here's Here's the picture that he paints. Like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become so dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor, our toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses. God's a witness also. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, and here he is, he's talking about it again. This time, like a father with his children. So he's painted this picture. Like a mother. Now he says, like a father 
we exhorted each of you and we encouraged you and we charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. There's our phrase. That's what we're looking at this morning. How is it that we walk in a manner worthy of God? He says, that's what we want for you. We want you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So when we look at this passage, what do we discover? Well, if we kind of if we kind of lay it all out, we look at the end, we discover the first thing at the end is that it's the Father who calls us into his kingdom. Uh, if you're here this morning and you're here with friends and Emmanuel's not your church home and you don't normally attend church, I want you to know that the Heavenly Father loves you. I want you to know that he's been calling you. In fact, part of the reason that you're here this morning is the calling of the heavenly father the scripture says it's not his will that any should perish but that all would come to salvation the scripture says for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son he's calling you sometimes there's places in the holy spirit talking about the work uh, the places in the bible talking about the work of the holy spirit where he's wooing us it's the it's the call of god and so i want you to know that god's calling you the the call of god isn't just uh for uh, Elijah or the prophets or a Billy Graham. God's calling each and every one of us into his kingdom. And as God calls us into his kingdom, we, we discern, we understand then by his call, his love, that through the work of Jesus, we can be redeemed so that we can actually enter into the kingdom. In a, in a, in a very large general sense, we are all children of God in a creative sense. But in a specific sense, we become the children of God through the redemptive work of God, not the creative work of God. It is the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross where he paid for our sins, where he shed his blood in atonement that adopts us into the family of God. And so this, this is the gospel. Twice we read in this passage, he says, I wanted to share with you the gospel of God. The, the word gospel means good news. So what's the good news? The good news is that I was separated from God and Jesus died and he rose again so that you and I can be brought into the kingdom so that we can be adopted into the family. And that's how it comes about. You, you, you don't get to go to heaven because you're an American. You, go, you don't go to heaven because you have a certain skin color. You, go, you don't go to heaven because you're in a certain socioeconomic group or you have a certain level of education. That's not how heaven is gained. Heaven isn't gained because you, you do more good things than bad things. The scripture says heaven is only gained through Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You can't get there. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so that's how we gain heaven. So we see the work of the heavenly Father. What is his work? He's calling us. He's asking us to receive his son. We see, we, we see the work of the son, Jesus. He went to the cross for us. And then we also know from the scripture that there's the work of the Holy Spirit of God. You see, it's a good thing that Jesus went back to heaven. Uh, when, when you read the Bible, and sometimes you, you read the story of Jesus, have you, are you like me? You're just like, oh, I would have loved to have been there when he raised Lazarus from the dead. 
I'd have loved to have been there when he walked on the water. I'd love to have been there when he fed the 5,000. I'd love to hear him teach and be astonished like everybody else that is teaching. But Jesus says, it's a good thing that I go back to the Father. Why is that? Because when Jesus was here on earth, he took on himself the limitations of flesh. He became a man. He had the same limitations that you and I do. And the thing about the flesh is, is that you can only be in one place at a time. So if Jesus were still here, he couldn't be in every church this morning. He could only be in one place at a time. Every now and then somebody says to me, Pastor, we won't be there Sunday, but we'll be there in spirit. I always say, no, you won't. Because your spirit is where your body is. And if you could send your spirit somewhere else, that would scare the hoobies out of us. So Jesus did what? He went back, he ascended. He went back to the throne of heaven so he could send the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God doesn't have those limitations. In fact, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God resides in every single believer. The Apostle Paul would say to the Corinthian church, don't you know that you're bought with a price and that your body is the temple of of the Holy Spirit of God. And it's for every believer. This morning we prayed for the mission team that's going to go to the Ukraine. When they preach the gospel in Ukraine, and those who receive the gospel are saved, the Holy Spirit indwells them. The Holy Spirit is with every believer over the whole planet this morning. It's a wonderful thing to think that some uh, woman in, who lives in an Islamic state who's given her life to Christ is indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. Some pastor in China who's been imprisoned for his faith is indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. Some child in Africa who knows Jesus and has given their life to Christ but maybe has no parents living in an orphanage is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. It's the promise for every single believer. But this morning, we're talking about how do we walk in a manner worthy of the kingdom? Well, the Holy Spirit does that work. So Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to walk in a manner worthy of the kingdom. Without the Holy Spirit, you don't have this ability. Before Christ, Ephesians chapter 2 says, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. What ability does a dead man have? He doesn't have any abilities. But in Christ Jesus, we're made alive. In Christ Jesus, indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God, we now have abilities, spiritual abilities that we didn't have before, including... You can walk in a manner worthy of the kingdom. Now, what method does the Holy Spirit most often use to accomplish this? He he just doesn't like sprinkle fairy dust on you and then go, okay, now you're ready to walk in a manner worthy of the kingdom. He uses the the things of life. What what, What is it the Holy Spirit uses on a regular basis to help people walk in a manner worthy of the kingdom? Well, the answer is, spiritual parents. This passage that we just read is really about parenting. It's, it's a beautiful passage because it has two applications. Application number one, the thing that, that really Paul is talking about, is he's talking about how he parented the Thessalonians, spiritually speaking, how he grew them up to walk in a manner worthy of the faith. But the other thing is presupposed, and that is this is what parents look like. 
So he uses the picture of a mother and a father, which we're all familiar with. He uses this illustration to say, just like a mother and a father raise their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, so a spiritual mentor, a spiritual coach, a spiritual guide, the word I'm going to use this morning is a spiritual parent, does the, the same thing. And and he gives us some characteristics so that we can know what spiritual parents look like. Number one, spiritual parents are gentle and affectionate. Uh, I have become a grandfather for the eighth time. Everybody who's a grandparent, say amen. amen. Being a grandparent is God's reward for suffering through the years of being a parent. Um, Jackson Edward was born into our family, 5 pounds, 12 ounces. Had a chance to run over North Dakota and meet him, introduce him to his grandfather, got to hold him. Uh, Jackson Edward's family that he was born into are North Dakota wheat farmers. Jackson Edward was brought home, and the morning after he was brought from home from the hospital, his dad came into the room there, turned on the lights, and said, You're burning daylight. Come on, let's get on the tractor. Let's go. No, you know that didn't happen. You know that his mother was, along with the rest of the family, affectionately, gently holding him. He's... He's about that big. He's young. He's too young for the work. And so, in the Christian realm, what phrases do we use? Well, you're born again. You come in to the Christian family, and how should those new born-again believers be handled? Gently, affectionately. Galatians 6.1 says that we who are mature should restore the young believers, the immature believers, is the word it uses, gently, when they mess up. It's how you begin to do this spiritual parenting. So many of us, when we're around someone, they they give their life to the Lord, and we say, well, good luck, see you in heaven. Uh, uh, Imagine saying that to a newborn. Okay, you're here on this earth. Good luck to you, buddy. That doesn't work that way. They have to be nurtured. They have to be cared for. They have to be nursed. And so Paul uses this same imagery. He literally says, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. No bond, no bond on earth greater than the mother with the child that she gave birth to. And he's talking about this in the realm of spiritual parenting. In the very next verse, The Apostle Paul gives us a second characteristic of spiritual parents. He says, spiritual parents give of themselves. He says, we didn't want to just give you the gospel. Of course he wanted to give them the gospel. But he says, we didn't just give you the gospel. We gave you our own selves. And so here we see something of how people come to Christ and how we respond to them. Now, sometimes what we want to do, particularly in a world of of technology and mass media, and even we want to do it just because it seems more convenient. We just want to give people the gospel. But the Apostle Paul, here by his own testimony, said about the Thessalonians, I didn't just give you the gospel, but I gave you my own self. The truth of the matter is, we almost never shout people into heaven, do we? 
We don't really out-debate people to heaven. Sometimes people get a bullhorn and they're like, Receive Jesus or you're going to hell. Not a lot of people get saved with that approach. My experience is, when I've been around it, people who have been shouted at with a bullhorn say back, You go to hell! Why? Why do they respond that way? Because there's no connection. There's no heartstrings. There's no endearment. The Apostle Paul says, we gave you not only the gospel, but ourselves. You see, the people that you really want to see come to Christ, you need to figure out how to spend some time with them. Maybe you need to work on that guy's truck with him. Maybe you need to play golf with him. Maybe you need to hunt with him. Maybe you need to go to a coffee with her, go to the movies with her, go shopping with her. You need to connect. You need to spend time. Have them over for dinner. You, uh, you can watch a game together. You start to connect and you give yourself the opportunity then to build trust and they can look at your life. And if you're, and if you're walking in a manner worthy of the kingdom, they're going to recognize that your life looks different than their life and conversation will ensue. And you know what we really do? We really love people to Jesus. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. He said, all men will know that you're my disciples by the way that you share the gospel. That's not what the verse says. By the way that you love them. And so the Apostle Paul says, spiritual parents give of themselves. They love people into the kingdom. The third thing we see that the Apostle Paul characterizes, how he characterizes spiritual parents, is in verses 8 and 9, he says that spiritual parents work hard, literally night and day. There are three different words here. There's labor, there's toil, and there's work. Sometimes, as Americans, we think those are all cuss words. We think those are all bad words. But to, but to labor and toil and work for the kingdom... Well, that's a good thing. And then he not only gives the kind of work, that is the, maybe the, the quality of the work, labor, toil, work, but then he gives the, the quantity of it. He gives the time expanse of it. And what does he say? He says it's night and day, all the time, 24-7. We labored, we toiled, we worked. Have any of you seen the NyQuil commercial where the dad, he's all stuffy and he's got a cold? You can tell from his face he feels real sick and he opens the door. There's a little toddler in the crib and he goes, hey, Joy. He goes, I don't feel good. I got to take a day off. And he closes the door and the little guy goes. Well, the reason the commercial's funny is because every parent knows that parents don't get to phone it in. Parents, parents don't get to take a day off. You can call your boss, say, I'm not coming to work today, but you can't tell the kids, I'm not your parent today. Today I'm taking the day off. No, it's, a, it's, the, it's the everyday process of our lives. And the reason God designs parenting this way, the reason there's an everyday process is because kids need parents. I shouldn't have to say this, but now in modern America, I do. It is not God's design that children raise themselves. It's not God's design that children choose things for themselves before they're ready to do that. There's a stage with young children in your life where you don't ask them what they want to eat. You make sure they eat nutritiously. You don't ask them whether or not they want to brush their teeth. You tell them they have to brush their teeth. You set their bedtime. You make sure they go to school. 
Why do you have to do that? Because as in the immaturity of childhood, they're not ready to do that yet. And, and by all means, should, should I have to say this? That a, that a young girl shouldn't be able to have an abortion without her parents' approval or a part of that? Notification? And now in modern America, it's now, I, I read last week, abusive if you try to tell a child what their gender is. They should get to pick their own gender? The foolishness of our culture when we know from thousands of years of experience that children need parents. They need parents to point them to right choices and and in, in terms of Scripture, to the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And the Apostle Paul is also saying young believers need spiritual parents too. If you're here and you're a young believer and you don't have somebody in your life guiding you, you desperately need that. You're not ready to do that. Yesterday at uh, Get Real, there were uh, uh, somewhere around 50 professions of faith. People, teenagers who gave their lives to the Lord. That's incredible. We rejoice in that. That's the business that we're in. But we don't take any of those teenagers who gave their lives to the Lord yesterday and bring them in here and say, what do you guys think that our beliefs as a church should be? Well, that would be silly. They're still babes in Christ. They're not ready for that yet. And we should understand that. That's a part of spiritual parenting. In verse 9, we find a fourth characteristic of spiritual parents, and that is that they're not a burden to their children. Hold your place there in uh, 1 Thessalonians, and find with me 2 Corinthians. You just have to go back a few pages. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, this, this idea that... Um, parents don't, they're not a burden on their children, but instead they're the ones who take care of children. It it, it appears in other places in scripture. It appears in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you to find verse 14. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 14, the apostle Paul, now he's not writing to the Thessalonians, he's writing to the Corinthians. But we're going to see something of Paul's character. We're going to see that this idea of caring for those that he's led to the Lord isn't just a one-time thing with him. This is his modus operandi. This is what he normally does. 2 Corinthians 12, 14. Here for the third time, I'm ready to come to you. What do we know from that sentence? We know that the Apostle Paul's been there two times before. He's gone back to them. He's gone back to them again. We know if we read all of 1 and 2 Corinthians, he also sent Peter to them, and he also sent Apollos to them, and he would also send Timothy to them. We know that he cared about these people. Here for the third time, I'm ready to come to you. And he says, and I will not be a burden, for I seek what is yours. I'm sorry, for I don't seek what is yours, but I seek you. I, I want what's best for you. Here's the metaphor. For children are not obligated to save up for the parents, but parents for the children. So I, verse 15, will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, will you love me less? Here's an interesting thing that happens when you're a parent. There comes a place where you're really taking care of a kid, and I'm talking about you care for them in every way, but financially. They get to that place. Let's, let's, pick, uh, let's pick 16, shall we? The wonderful time of 16. They think, they think twos are terrible. Whew, 16. 16, they're driving. They got the car. They feel independence. But in reality, what's happened? You, you bought the car. 
You're carrying the insurance on the car. You put the gas in the car. You maintain the car. You give them a bedroom to sleep in. You give them food. You give them all of that. And yet, they tend to, at that period of time, kind of push us away. They love us a little less. So do we, as parents, then go, oh, in that case, get out of here. Now, we thought about it. Every one of us thought about it. But we don't quit loving them because they haven't sorted themselves out. Even though it appears they love us less, the Apostle Paul says we love them more. Here's here's the phrase that he uses. I would very gladly spend, that's a financial word, and then he says, now play on words and be spent for your souls. You know what he's really saying? I'll spend for you and I'll spend all I have if necessary. You know what he's saying? I will give of myself and I'll give it all if I need to. I'll burn for you and I'll burn out if necessary. I will do for you and die for you. And every parent knows that really in reality, the love that you have, you lay down your life for your kids. So what is he saying then about spiritual parenting? Spiritual parenting isn't what you can get back from that one that you lead to the Lord. They're They're behind you. They should be behind you in their spiritual walk. You're more mature. You're guiding them. You're pointing them to Jesus. You're growing them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So you don't do that for what you can get from them. You do it because that's what God calls us to do. You do it because that's who we are. That's how we live. And so we don't worry about if the kids are a burden to us. Of course they're a burden. It comes with being a kid. We do that because we love them. Well, back in First Thessalonians, two more statements and then we're done. The next one, the fifth thing he says about spiritual parents is that they live a holy and righteous and blameless. I'm in verse 10, back in First Thessalonians chapter 2. Holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct to you. So spiritual parents live a holy and righteous example. Let me say this to you, and I'm, I'm going to be running out of time, so I really don't have time to talk about it as much as I'd like. But spiritual principles in life are much more caught than taught. The role of a parent or a spiritual parent isn't to say, do what I say. It's to say, do what I do. Follow my example. And it's living out our example that gives credence to and gives validity to the words that we say. Have you, have you ever had some words that you wanted to say to your children? Have you ever just had that moment of complete angst and full of righteous indignation? And you want to get the kids and you want to set them down on the couch and you have a sermon that's welling up in you and you're ready to preach it and then right as you get ready to preach it, one of them goes, can I have a cookie? And you look at the other one and they're like this. And one of them says, how long are you going to be? And you realize that Charles Schultz was right when he created the Peanuts comic strip. And all of the adult voices sound like, and you have it. You want to say it. You know they need it. But they're really not ready at that moment to hear it. You know what else I discovered about being a parent, though? I discovered that there would be a time it would be the most inconvenient time possible. 
when one of my kids would show up and say to me, hey, could I, could I ask you a question? And at that moment, I had all of their attention. Why did they come to me? Why did they say, hey, Dad, I, I, I want to talk to you about something? Because it was my role to live holy and blameless before them so that they would say, you know what? My dad knows. My dad lives this out. I know he knows how to do this. And they come to you in that moment. Whether it's parenting or spiritual parenting. Both applications work here beautifully. The Apostle Paul says, this is how we do it. We live this life in front of them. And eventually, they'll come and ask you that. The last thing that we see here about spiritual parents is uh, in verse 11. 11 and 12. He says, you know how like a father with his children... We, and there's three, there's three words here that I want you to see. Number one, we exhorted each of you. And number two, we encouraged each of you. And number three, we charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. Spiritual parents exhort, encourage, and affirm. It's really interesting here. The word uh, exhort is the word... Uh, from the same word paraclete. The Greek word paraclete means to come alongside of, and it's a word in the New Testament that's actually used as a name for the Holy Spirit. So, So understand how I say this. Part of our work as a parent is to Holy Spirit our children. What do I mean by that? I'm not, I'm not using that in, a, in, in any form of heresy, but that we come along beside them and we we walk with them. The, all, all three words, uh, exhort, encourage, kind of means console, comfort. That's another name for the Holy Spirit. And charge, they're, they're all words of affirmation. None of these words are uh, condemn, judge, revile, point, make them feel stupid. That, that's not what parents should do. There's a, there's a, whole, there's a whole world out there that will do everything they can to make us all feel uh, dumb and stupid and ugly and ignorant and everything else. We don't, we don't need that from parents or spiritual parents. What spiritual parents need to say based on the Word of God, what parents need to say based on the Word of God is, God has a plan for you. God has an incredible plan for you. He desires to use you in a unique way that He's only gifted you to do. Did you know that there are people that only you can reach to Christ that I can't reach? You're the only one who can do that. God has a unique plan for your life. And since the Holy Spirit indwells every single believer, we have the power, we have the ability to do that based on what God has given us. That's what every young believer needs to hear. That's what every child needs to hear. That's what every teenager needs to hear. That God has this work in us. And God's calling us to do this work. It is our work to lead people to Jesus. But then to be their spiritual, pick your word, accountability partner, mentor, guide, coach. Here in 1 Thessalonians 2, parent. So that they will grow up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I want to ask for every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. 
Really, this morning, I was speaking to believers. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, that's the first step for you. You've heard me talk about it. It's, the, it's that experience of being born again, where you come to the cross of Christ, you ask for the forgiveness for your sins, and that's how you enter into the kingdom, by giving your life to Christ. And we would love for you to do that today. After the service is over, you could come and find me or one of the pastors or go to the Welcome Center, and we'll guide you in that if you don't know how to do that. Maybe somebody you came with, you could just say, I want to give my life to Christ. How do I do that? And they'll either help you or get you with somebody who can help you. But this morning, for the most part, I'm talking to believers. Believers, there's two applications for you today. One, how you parent or grandparent. And two, how you spiritually parent. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one's going to embarrass you. But how many of you already know that there is a person in your life. You work with them. They're, you're in your family. There's somebody that's a friend. There's a person in your life that God has placed there, and you know that you should give them some spiritual guidance. And how many of you just raise your hand and say, I already know that person in my life. All over the room. Most of us in this room already know the person that God's placed in our lives that we're supposed to spiritually parent. So this isn't like a sermon where you now have to leave the church building and go out and find a stranger. This is a person that's already in your life. And now you need to intentionally start the process of guiding them and nurturing them so that they can grow in Christ. Father, this morning you've seen our hands. More importantly, you know our hearts. And you know the people that you've placed in our lives, in our sphere of influence. And so, Father, we pray that this morning, based on your word here in 1 Thessalonians 2, that we would take this to become the mother, the father, the spiritual parent that we need to be. For every parent in this room, for every grandparent in this room, I pray that they would intentionally start to do the work of biblical, godly parenting so that, Father, we would raise our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We're asking you to do this work through your Holy Spirit who indwells us, each and every one of us, so that we can be the people that you would have for us to be. Father, if you'll do this work in our lives, we promise to rejoice in you. We promise to praise you. We promise to give you all the glory and all the majesty. For we pray it all in the most holy and precious name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. Passage which, which we've just read. The very next phrase. Now remember what we've just what we've just kind of studied together. This idea of spiritually parenting these who are babes in Christ. This is this is Paul's very next phrase. And we also thank God constantly for this. God's serious about this. He loves it when we take the time to care for people and point them to Jesus and grow them up. And the Apostle Paul says, we thank God constantly for this. I'm going to be right down here to my right, to your left. If you're a guest today and you haven't had a chance to meet me yet, or if I've just met you once and I'm still learning your name, or if you this morning thought, I I want to give my life to Christ, I'm going to be right down here. Come and see me and let me have a chance to meet with you and talk with you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to audio from Emmanuel Baptist Church, located in Billings, Montana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. 
but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Emmanuel, please visit us online at www.myemmanuel.net.